As you take your seats, I invite you to turn your copies of God's holy and inspired word back to Paul's letter to the Ephesians. This morning we're going to take our second crack at Ephesians 4, 7 through 16. I got real creative with the title this week. It's the same title as last week with the number two after it. I got real inspired. Heavenly gifts for ministry and maturity. If you want to know what this sermon is, that's it. Tempted to say, let's just wrap it up, but this is my crack at you this week, so I'm not giving that up. Heavenly gifts for ministry and maturity. Let's read Ephesians 4, verses 7. Uh, well, actually, uh, this week we're just going to uh, start um, at verse 11, 11 through 16. And Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we just sung to you, we do ask for you to speak. We read these words because they are living and active, and that they are a, a medium through which you make your presence known to your people. Because as your people, Lord, we continue on this earthly sojourn, and we need your presence. We need the manna from heaven. We need to feast upon it. We need to be fed by you. Because there are many things in this world that, that happen to us. There are things within our hearts that lead us astray. There are many challenges that can get us distracted. And so refocus us, Lord, not by, by leading us to have a time of reflection on, on words from the past, but words of the present, where the activities of our triune God in the past continue into today and will continue until they are brought to their ultimate completion. Lord, help us to see ourselves within this grand story that we may live lives that express this truth to ourselves, to one another, and to this watching world. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 
Oh, grow up. Oh, grow up. It's not just a line that you can often hear in sitcoms. If you've had an older sister, you certainly have heard them. If you are an older sister, you probably have said them. And often when we hear that line, you know, uh, whether it is on a sitcom or if we hear that line from an older sibling or if we've said that line, a lot of times it's corrective. And you know why? Because it's needed. It's not often fun to hear it. I have an older sister. I can tell you I heard it a lot. But that's because I needed to grow up a lot. We don't always like to hear that phrase, but it is an absolutely necessary phrase. And not only with regards to our lives in general, but the Apostle Paul is telling us right here in this section of Ephesians 4 is that you, as the people of God, you have to grow up. For the Ephesians, it was very clear why they needed to grow up because they lived in a culture that hated them. They lived in a culture that had trained them to think wrongly, that had trained them to to, uh, look at life wrongly, that had trained them to perceive of what things like joy and happiness and purpose are wrongly. And as they have come to faith in Jesus Christ, as they are these, this young church of new believers, they live in a culture that is continuing to attempt to press them into that mold. Live this way. Value these things. And if you don't, we're going to make things really hard for you. Do you want to be a part of the trade guild? Well, then you need to offer your incense to Caesar. And you need to offer it to the God of your trade guild. And if you don't, guess what? We're not going to let you work. We're going to make things really difficult for you. They are living in very difficult times. And they are living as a very small, new set of believers who have embraced Jesus Christ and now have the calling of being his disciples in the midst of this difficult and challenging and hateful situation. So guess what? They have to grow up. Because if they don't, they are going to remain children in the faith. It's not bad to be a child. We love children. But when you look at children, when you watch them and as they are growing and as they are developing and as they are going through that process of maturation, it's often funny to watch how they interact with the challenges of life. Because part of being a child means that you are inherently 
immature. It means you're not fully developed. And what that brings with it is that there, the things that happen in life are typically not experienced and managed well. And so as Paul says here, children can often be tossed about like waves. Now, one of the greatest acts of faith that I'm going to ask of you in the worship service this morning is not what we have done up to this point, but to actually accept that there was a time in my life where I was a lifeguard. And I was a lifeguard. One of the places that I lifeguarded was at the main beach in the, 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 the island that I lived on in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. We had the roughest beach. We had a lot of sandbars. We had a lot of riptides. We had strong currents because the island ran east and west. And as a result, being a lifeguard where I was a lifeguard typically meant that you would go into the water almost every single shift. And most of the time, you were going in after children. Because when you're small and not very strong, and the shore break comes in, and, and what might be breaking onto the mid-thigh of a, of a grown man is breaking over the head of a little child. Guess what happens? It knocks their feet out from underneath them. And once their feet are knocked out, the current can move them around very quickly, very easily, and very dangerously. But even for a grown man, water that's mid-shin level can get you off your feet and can suck you out just as quickly as a child. I know what it's like to see people tossed about by the waves. And what Paul says is all believers continue to face the waves of this life. You and I continue to face the waves of the sin that still resides in our own hearts. You and I face the waves of the sin that exists in the world. You and I face the waves of the sins that are in other people's hearts who act out that sin onto us. We sin, we live in a sinful world, and we are sinned against. And this happens on a daily basis. And beloved, that is nothing different than like the waves that come in and crash down upon a child standing on the beach in which any wave can take them off their feet and put them in an extremely dangerous situation. You have to grow so that you can become grown and mature and strong so that you can endure those waves better.
to help us in this process, what we looked at last week is before we get into this, this, these, these instructions about how to grow up in the faith, what Paul attempted to do, and which I did a very, I felt like a horrible job communicating, is just how awesome of a context that these instructions to grow up, how awesome the context is in which we are called to do this. Because what Paul tells us is what Jesus Christ has done for us as our king, okay? What Jesus has done for us, as he has been saying throughout this, le this letter, is Jesus has unveiled and fulfilled all of these great theological mysteries of truth about what it means to be God's people to be the church who through union with Jesus Christ have been drawn into the shared life, love, and mission of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the thrust of this has been that Jesus is a peacemaking king. He has made peace through his perfect devotion to his Father. He has made peace through his substitutionary death. He has made peace through his powerful resurrection from the dead. And he has made peace through his glorious, triumphant ascension to the right hand of the Father. And what he has said here in Ephesians 4 is that you and I who were captive to sin and death, he captured us out of that sin and death. And as he ascended into the heavenly places, we were captives who were being taken in the, robe, in the train of his righteous robes. And as he entered into those heavenly places, you and I have entered with him. And he does this through his use of Psalm 68, where Yahweh is pictured as the God who has come down, who has come near. And he has taken his people who were captive as bondage and slaves in Egypt, and he got them out. And as he took them out of bondage and slavery in Egypt, he took the riches of Egypt and shared those with his people. And then he took them with his presence before and behind, and he carried them through the desert. He carried them through the Red Sea, and he brought them to himself at Mount Sinai, where he then gave the covenant in this renewed way through the Mosaic law. And he took them and made them his people. And then as he as the conquering king giving gifts and sharing the, the spoils of his victories with his people, he then took them from Mount Sinai to the promised land. Theologically, in a redemptive historical way, beloved, you and I live as those who live between the exodus and the promised land. Where for them, it was, it was a geographical typography in which they, they went from bondage to the, to the promised land. 
because of their king who came near to them. Jesus Christ, Paul says, descended. He came near. And then Jesus Christ, having accomplished his Father's will, ascended back to the heavenly places. You and I, beloved, we live in Christ as those who have been redeemed from bondage and slavery to sin and death and who, who, who have been given the eternal inheritance of the promised land of the new heavens and the new earth. But we live between those two places. And while we live between those two places, our king is blessing us with the spoils of his victory. And where all of this is headed is just like in Psalm 68, where Yahweh, in coming into the promised land, then through the Ark of the Covenant, ascends to the temple in Jerusalem, where now he receives gifts from worshipers. You and I live in the spoils of Christ's victory in order to one day participate in spreading those gifts before the heavenly throne. Is this making sense? This is the redemptive historical presentation that the Apostle Paul is using to get us to realize how awesome it is, as he says here, that every one of us have received grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. This call to grow up is a call that is the result of you having received the spoils of Christ's victory. You're not being called to grow up by, by making yourself a, a self-made man or woman of Jesus. He says, drink deeply, take in to the fullness these heavenly gifts and grow up in those things. So that's the context. And what we said is that to help us do this, the gifts that he unfolds here are not the same individual gifts that he talks about in other places, like 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and other places. Instead, what he focuses in on are gifts that Christ has given to the church as a whole and the gifts he unfolds here are the the gifts of apostles prophets evangelists shepherd teachers in other words he has given us the full orbed thorough ministry of the word of god as the faith once for all delivered to the saints is the apostolic faith in which God, speaking from times old and speaking through the prophets of old and speaking through the apostles and prophets of the New Testament, he has given us everything that we need. He has given us his word. He has given us his truth. And there are offices within the church who have a primary responsibility to exercise that full-orbed ministry so that you as Christ's people can learn how to develop and exercise your gifts. 
the apostolic faith, the role of the prophetic encouragement to live faithfully according to the covenant, the evangelists who who lead us in sharing the truth of Jesus Christ with, with those who are outside of the church, and the shepherd teachers who take that truth and, and come alongside God's people as, as pastor shepherds who know the flock, who feed the flock, who protect the flock, so that you can grow up in Christ. Someone asked me after the service last week, so does that mean that I, as an individual person who is not an elder, does this mean that I don't have a ministry of the word? No, it doesn't mean that at all. What it means, though, is Jesus has not left you on your own to learn that word and to develop the ability to live according to that word and to be encouraged to take that word and make it part of your life and to share that word with others. He has gifted the church with these offices that they help us, they help you accomplish these ends. So notice here that these gifts that he's talking about here in terms of these gifts to the corporate church are gifts that are supposed to help you as individuals who have received gifts to help you learn how to appreciate them and to learn how to to embrace them and to learn how to exercise those gifts of Christ's grace. So notice here, what are the elders at Grace Covenant Church supposed to be doing in this thorough, full-orbed ministry of the word for you as members of Grace Covenant Church. Well, notice first that we, as the elders, are to be equipping the saints. This here is the ministry of that word to you and for you, where you are going through the process of development as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Equipping here speaks of a process of adjustment that results in complete preparedness. Notice here it doesn't say it happens all at once. It is a process of development. And it is a process of adjustment. What it means is when you and I come to faith in Jesus Christ and we are made new men and new women in Jesus Christ, we are not perfected at that moment. God reckons us. He considers us perfect in Christ, but we are not yet actually perfect in Christ. And so you and I have to go through a process of adjustment. We have to go through a process of repair and of renovation. The old man, as he will say later on, the old man must go away and the new man must appear more and more and more. And this is a process. And guess what? It is lifelong. What the elders are to be doing here is not using their authority to accomplish agendas unless the agenda that they are attempting to accomplish is equipping the saints. The ministry of the word is to equip you. 
It is to renovate you. It is to help you adjust so that you are trained to live as a disciple more and more consistently. This idea of equipping means to make adequate or to make sufficient. It means to furnish completely. It brings with it the idea of perfecting, which you'll notice the King James Version. That's the way they translate it. But the the elders are to be about the ministry of perfecting the saints. You're not perfect right now. Let me reiterate that. You, elders, you too, Dave, right? Anytime you say you point a finger at someone else, how many of you have pointing back at yourself? Well, I only have three pointing back at me, Kelly. I'm not sure how many you have on your hand. But when you point your finger at someone else, right, you always have three coming back at yourself. What I am supposed to be doing, what the elders are supposed to be doing, what you are supposed to be doing is we are in this business of allowing ourselves to come under the adjustment work of the word of God so that we are becoming more and more capable of living out our discipleship in Jesus Christ. You are not perfect. Let that sink in. Because sometimes, some of us start to think that we are. Sometimes there's a lot of pressure if you are an elder to feel like you have to be. The ministry of the word is to equip you because, guess what? We ain't all perfect and we all have growing up to do. So what is the the elders supposed to do with the ministry of the word at this church? The, The goal we have here is to equip. The goal is not to entertain you with the word. And hear me, the goal here is not to reinforce your preferences of Christianity. Because you and I are in a process of adjustment. And until you are perfected in Christ, you and I will be in a process of adjustment. And so one of the things that I ask of you and that the session asks of you is to cultivate this attitude of openness to adjustment and not adjustment according to our preferences as the elders. Because guess what? We don't get to pick and choose what we think is important in the Bible. We don't get to pick and choose what we think uh, should be the emphases. We don't get to pick and choose our preferences. We have the responsibility of allowing ourselves to constantly be adjusted by the word of God. 
so that what we are setting before you is what God has said. And we are to set before you, beloved, all of it. Not just the easy stuff, not just the stuff we like. We are to put all of it in front of you because all of us need all of it. Every one of us are in this process of constant, consistent adjustment to the word of God. Equipping the saints. And what are we to equip the saints for? For the work of ministry. Grace Covenant Church is not the Pastor David show. And Grace Covenant Church is not the session of Grace Covenant Church show. We are helping in this process of growth and adjustment as a disciple of Jesus Christ because as one who has Jesus dwelling within you through his spirit who has gifted you with grace, what he is doing is he is manifesting himself in and through you. Because the Christ who has made peace is the Christ who loves to show that peace in and through his people. And so you are to be learning and being adjusted by the work of God, by the word of God because there is work for you to do. You are not consumers. You are those who receive in order to give. You see, you're a conduit. So often today, though, it can become so tempting to think that when we come to church, when we come to the service, when we come to Sunday school, if we come to a Bible study, we're coming in order to just simply receive and, and we get tricked into thinking that, well, if I've received and if I've learned something new, okay, well, now I've grown. No, you receive in order that you might do. And what Paul is saying here, it is through the doing that you grow. Equipping the saints for the work of ministry. not all on me it's on us equipping the saints for the work of ministry notice here also to for the building up of the body the idea here is is the idea of strengthening but what he does is he uses a word picture where he takes the word for house and turns the word for house into a participle. We're housing the people of God through the ministry of the word, meaning that the word of God, as it is ministered to you, the purpose is that the church becomes built up and strengthened like the structure of a home. Where you, uh, in, the, in the metaphor, the, as the wall, as the foundation is made thicker, and as the foundation goes down 
deeper. The walls are able to grow taller and we're, and we're able to add floors and more floors and more floors. If you have a high rise building that has no foundation, that building will not stand. And spiritually, the picture here is that of the ministry of the word of God being used in your lives to encourage you more and more to embrace and to experience Jesus Christ so that you may embody and extend him to the world. Strengthening, building up. And guess what happens, beloved? Strengthening and building up is not always going to focus on what you want strengthened and built up. We have to look for the weak spots. And look, I don't like that in my own life. I love it when I read a passage of Scripture and I feel that self-righteous hand upon my own back. Oh, this is one of yours, Dave. I can't, I've had multiple shoulder reconstructions. I can't reach my back anymore, but. Oh, this is one of your passages. Oh, man, you've got this one. We all love to read those passages that we think we have a handle on. And we, and we tend to enjoy skipping over the ones that make us uncomfortable. We have to build ourselves up, not just in the areas that we like, but in every area of the life of the church. Sometimes there's going to be the need for correction in order for strengthening to happen. Because notice the degree to which we are to build up the body until we all attain to the unity of faith, till we all attain to the unity of knowledge of the Son of God, until we all attain to the unity of mature manhood, until we all attain to the unity, to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. To what degree are we to do this with the ministry of the word? To the degree that the stature of the fullness of Christ is being revealed in and through you as his people. You see, this is why we can't only emphasize the things that we like and the things that we're comfortable with and the things that are naturally kind of part of our strengths as a, an individual congregation. And why so often congregations come to be known by, by those different emphases rather than being known for the totality of a ministry where churches get comfortable with being the doctrinal church or churches get comfortable with being the seeker-sensitive church or the church becomes comfortable with being the homeschool church or the church becomes comfortable, right, with the, these issues that are before them rather than the totality of the ministry of God. We're the worshiping church. We take worship real seriously. When was the last time you shared your faith? I'm not worried about that. I worship really well every Sunday, and we only do in worship what the Bible explicitly teaches. Pat ourselves on the back. Well, when did you share your faith? That's not, a, that's not as important. We worship well. 
We do Bible study, real serious. That's great. What does your budget look like for missions? You see, we all tend to want to focus in on the things that we feel comfortable with and that we're good at. But beloved, to grow up, you have to have focused attention in the areas that are weak. And I can tell you that our session here, we want to be the church that takes worship seriously. And we want to be the church that takes discipleship seriously. And we want to be a church that takes missions and evangelism seriously. We want to be a full-orbed ministry. We are working toward the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Because until Christ returns, there are doctrines, teachings, human cunning, and crafty deceitful schemes that you and I will have coursing through our own hearts, through the fellowship of the church, and coming at us from outside in the world. Notice here that these doctrines, this human cunning, this crafty, this deceitfulness is not something that is only out there among the unbelievers. This is something in here. This is something in here. It's in my heart, and it's in your heart. And this is why we have to constantly be open to the adjustment of our hearts by God's word because we can think that we're really focusing on something good like I'm going to defend the glory of the honor of God's name and and to do that I'm going to hold cloaks while followers of Jesus are put to death you see the apostle Paul thought he was glorifying God thought he was defending God as he was going after the persecution of the disciples of Jesus Christ Beloved, you and I can come under bad teaching. We can come under the influence of human cunning. We can come under the influence of deceitful schemes. It is a reality for every one of us. And my encouragement to you is that you've got to open yourself up to scripture. And if you watch more cable news during the week than you are interacting with God's word, I'm letting you know right now what you are doing is opening yourself up to be tossed about by the waves of bad teaching, human cunning, and crafty deceitful schemes. This doesn't mean don't be informed. This doesn't mean don't know what's going on. How can you pray well if you don't know what's happening? How can you pray like Roger prayed for, for peace in Ukraine if you don't know what's going on? How can you pray for wisdom if you don't know what's going on? We are to know what's going on. But if we feed upon those sources more than we are feeding upon the word of God, I'm telling you, you are opening yourself up to things that need to be adjusted out of your life. 
But too often, we take this stuff in and we start adjusting our lives according to what we hear on those news programs. Beloved, the only way we're going to grow up into Christ is by nurturing the Christ who is in us. The Christ who continues to communicate himself to us. And he does it through his word and through his sacraments. Everyone has been graced with the gift of Jesus Christ. And now, every one of us is to grow up in that grace to the maturity in which we are able to exercise that grace more consistently in our own hearts, in the fellowship of one another, and to this watching world. And so you as a mother, or you as a grandfather, you as a a student in school, Whatever your position is in life, if you are in Christ, you have received a grace gift through which you, under the direction of the ministry of the elders, are to learn how to take that gift and use that gift to benefit others. There is no age restriction on this. Every single one of you, in Christ, you have a participation, not just in the salvation of Christ, but you have a participation in his mission. And so you'll never stop growing, and you will always be learning more and more and more how to exercise that gift. And so what he says here is we are to be involved in the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. We are to be involved in the building up of, uh, the building up of the body. And we are to do this through truthing in love. Now in the ESV and in other English translations that says speaking the truth in love. But in the, in the original text, it's just simply the word truth as a participle. Truthing in love. And so that does require us to speak in love. There is no doubt about it. But it also involves us doing truth. We are to speak truth in love, but we are also to embody truth in love. And so that the ministry of the word in your life as you grow as a disciple in Jesus Christ is to result in the maturity that allows you to minister and ministering that leads to greater maturity and all of this becoming more and more and more an expression of God's truth in Christ within this world where you are, dare I say, truthers, but in Christ. Not the way that it often is used today. You are Christ truthers. Where you are learning the truth so that you are shaped by the truth. So that you can speak the truth. So that you can manifest the truth. But not as jerks. But in love. One of the things that the constant imbibing of of news can do is it can rile up the the need 
for truth in this world, but it can rile you up in such a way that that truth becomes expressed as a jerk rather than in love. Where interacting with people who need the truth becomes an opportunity for you to make them look stupid or to treat them as if they're dumb or to treat them as if they're idiots. Well, who would believe that and who would do things that way? And instead, what we are to do is to be conduits of the Christ who came in empathy, empathizing with the lost someone who shed tears over the lost, someone who gave himself for the lost. Beloved, the truth that you and I are to embody and to express is a truth in love. It's not about arrogance. Because remember, he's already told us to walk worthy of the calling with which we are to call, or are called is to cultivate humility. And it's not through superior intellects, because remember what he said was to walk worthy of the calling with which we've been called is to be gentle. Is your interaction with the truth of God in your own heart and in your conversations, in Bible studies, and when you go out to coffee and go out to lunch, are your interactions with God's truth, when you start talking about the things of this world, are they manifest in love? And when you are talking to your neighbor or your coworker or your family member, is your interactions an interaction of truth in love? Or is it an exercise in your intellectual superiority? Is it an exercise in your moral superiority to the unbeliever? Where is empathy? Where is the mercy of God in your interactions with those who need mercy? as we are longing to be a church that has a full-orbed ministry of worship, discipleship, and mission. Beloved, make no mistake that all of this has to be an expression of truth in love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, so often we love to receive your truth and use it as something, as a hammer against those with whom we disagree. Or we like to receive your truth in order to have some kind of self-vindication against those who don't like us because we're Christians. Or those who disagree with us because uh, their eyes have not been opened to, your, to the Savior. Father, help us to learn to, to live in, in, in response to your truth and, and in interaction with your truth as those who, though considered righteous, are not righteous, who are not perfect, but who are in need of ongoing adjustment. And so, Lord, use your word in our lives to adjust us. And, 
Lord, help us to have, as, as, as Roger prayed, help us to desire, help us to long to grow as disciples. Help us to cultivate hearts that want the adjustment and who will trust you in response to the adjustment that we receive. And as we, Lord, are finding ourselves living more and more in a culture that is no longer manifesting it, a Judeo-Christian, the Judeo-Christian origins that, that at one time seem to, to be so influential, as we continue to interact more and more in ways that is more like the Ephesian church. Lord, help us not to be blown about by the immaturity of faith, but to be able to stand strong in Christ and love our neighbor as ourselves. Help us to be gentle and humble and kind even as our empathetic Christ came as the one who would not break a bruised reed, as one who would not snuff out a, burn, a, a faintly burning wick. Lord, use us to grow in our faith that more and more as we rest in Christ, we can reveal that Christ to the watching world. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.